Hello, and welcome back to the Beyond the Page podcast. My name is Ardia Eichner, and I am the editor-in-chief of Prism Arts and Literary Journal. And today we have a bunch of folks in the studio with us, and we are going to talk about nostalgia. So nostalgia has kind of been making a comeback in, you know, industry artwork um, in the last few years in particular, um, from all of Disney's old live-action remakes um, to the new Artemis Fowl movie, High School Musical TV show, TV shows based on Archie Comics, D&D is making a comeback, Sonic was just a big movie, which is based a little bit on nostalgia, I would say, from like early 2000s or something like that. So we're going to talk about like how nostalgia influences art, whether it's stifling maybe to creativity or whether it has sort of always been around and helps us with our creativity even. Um, so yeah, who wants to kick us off? Who has some ideas? Here's what, here's what I have to say. Hello. A few years ago, um, for a good example of how nostalgia plays into media, um, when one of the last Star Wars movies came out, my dad was so excited because his friend who he saw the first one with was in town and they could go together to see it. And it was like this beautiful moment after years of being apart and seeing the same movie in the same franchise that they saw together when they were kids. So I think a big um, appeal to using nostalgia is getting those older viewers back into it when it's something that's not necessarily designed to appeal to old, older viewers. So that's a that's a big part of it. Yep. Could definitely see that with franchises that are still going on, like Transformers, as I've been unfortunately dragged into, um, where it's just like you have like a concept and you just kind of you have a concept and you just kind of keep going with it and like exploring different new little niches and changing up things so that it's new every time while still staying in the same IP. On the other hand, just live action remakes that are cash grabs are not fun. Disney. <laughs> Full savage. <laughs> I know, just specifically with the Artemis Fowl trailer that came out, like, I wasn't the biggest fan of Artemis Fowl as a kid because, unfortunately, I, my library didn't have all the books. But the few things I read were just, like, and comparing that to the trailers that have been coming out, I'm, like, really ticked off because it's like they didn't even read the books. Because I think on the first page of the first book, it was, like, Artemis Fowl is not a kid that, like, goes out in the sun and does things. And I think in the trailer, they show him, like, surfing and fencing and being like an active like traditional disney like yeah sports kind of protagonist and like he does crimes he does a lot of crimes he like kidnaps a person and like he's like crime feral kid and i think they're making him just like i don't know sterile in a sense like they're like standing away all those like cool little intricacies that like really drew me in as a kid just like yeah this kid is like 12 years old but he's doing morally ambiguous things it's gonna be interesting to see where he goes with this and like i don't know it just feels like i'm very bad so do you think that maybe the like downfall of nostalgia in that case is that the creators didn't really have an idea for what people liked about the original thing and so they're sort of going for an empty nostalgia of you remember this you'll buy it yeah Kind of in a similar vein to like a lot of complaints I saw people do for Ready Player One, where it seems more of like a reference, but you take the heart 
out of the reference and you're just doing it to get people's money in a sense. Like you're saying, oh, hey, yeah, we totally read Artemis Fowl. Totally did. Yeah. Not at all. That, yeah, that's kind of the idea of like just throwing a bunch of references in a movie and hoping that people will go for it. And the same sort of idea as like throwing a bunch of like big name actors in a movie. Yeah. Just to get people to go see the movie, but like not putting a lot of heart into the actual writing itself. That's kind of why I'm like scared. Cause like as a kid, I was a really big fan of like Disney's like Atlantis to Lost Empire movie. And a small part of me is always like, that's like would be a really perfect live action movie because it's basically an action adventure movie with like human characters in this really like cool setting but then on the other hand like but they'll probably also do something to mess up like they'll take away maybe like the cool story elements or something and just make it like generic action adventure movie in a sense so like on one hand if they're gonna make live action movies that would be a good one and like my nostalgia says it would be a good movie but on the other hand like the cynical part of me that's really tired of all these like nostalgia grabbing movies is like they're probably gonna mess it up in some way that makes sense and i think there's definitely something to be said for leaving a movie as it is and not trying to remake it because usually sequels are not better or even as good as the originals no, that's right. That makes sense. So we kind of have a lot of like ways that nostalgia can be used wrong, it sounds like. Does anyone have like thoughts about how it could be used for good or how they've seen it used for good? Or maybe even how you as an artist might use nostalgia for good? Or is it mostly more of a cynical thing? Um, I can think of a couple examples where it could be used for good or at least potentially good. Um, I'm thinking about, so I have not been convinced by any of the live action remakes for Disney, um, but the only one where I'm thinking, okay, maybe there's potential is the Mulan live action movie that's coming up. And I still, I'm still skeptical, but I was reading an article recently about how they are like, there's so much that you can't remake from the animated one, and they also don't necessarily want to because they, um, uh, just reading something about how they want to stick a little closer to, like, the original um, story, like the original myth um, of Mulan, or legend of Mulan. Um, so I think that's a good example of, like, okay, you have this jumping off point of something that was really beloved, but maybe you're doing it in a more... Um, I don't know, a respectful way or in a different, a totally different tone to it. Um, the other example that popped into my mind was um, uh, The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina on Netflix, oh, yeah. which is just so tonally different from like the Sabrina series that was on in the 90s or early 2000s, um, where like I have nostalgia for that original series and kind of like the, like the brightness and the bubblegumminess of it. And then like the Netflix version is so in the opposite direction and is great in its own way. So, yeah, I think that I think nostalgia works well as a jumping off point to like something that still has more of a creative spin to it. That makes sense. So maybe like taking something nostalgic and twisting it rather than trying to just do the same thing again but modernized or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And if you think about that, like haven't like haven't hasn't humanity like been doing that for a really long time like homages to like previous works kind of like even in like 
not to be an English major, classical literature, there's like, like Dante's Inferno makes references to the Bible, and then da, 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 da. so I feel like just nostalgia has just always been a part of like the human experience because we can like build up on these concepts. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. It's almost like a part of creativity in some way, as far as historically speaking. Does anyone have any other nostalgic things that they would like to say? So basically, uh, nostalgia is like always used, like you guys have said, but like why is it keep on reoccurring in the first place? Um, I got curious and I looked up the definition of nostalgia and it's the sentimental <laughs> longing or wistful affection for the past, typically for a period or place with the happy personal associations. And that really brings back to like what art is supposed to do in the first place. It's supposed to give you a feeling. You're supposed to be moved by it in some sort of way. And I feel like nostalgia is one out of many ways that is an effective pursuit of trying to get that and convey that emotion towards somebody. Whenever you look back in the past, you either like feel happy or sad or stuff, 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 ugh, or stuff like that. And being able to put that through entertainment is something that goes along with those emotions. Kind of like when you eat like a hamburger and you just get this really specific memory of like another time you ate that hamburger. <laughs> Dude, yeah. like, I do know what you're talking no, about. Yeah. It actually goes to the point. So you eat a hamburger, right? And yeah. then you're like, oh, wow, that hamburger was so good. And then you actually taste it again. And it doesn't taste like it was before. It was just the feeling of that moment yeah. like, that made it taste that good. Like whenever I eat an In-N-Out hamburger, I get a flashback to like, another time that I ate an In-N-Out hamburger, but I can't remember specifically that moment. I just remember the feeling of that moment. Yeah, and that's basically, I feel like nostalgia is just a feeling. Like, yeah. you get the feeling, and that's what you want, and you crave it. It's sort of like dopamine. You're just like, ugh. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Like drugs. And that's why we create movies that remind <laughs> us of stuff from before. Yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah. So, just to sort of lean in here and ask it, and then, like, you guys take off. <laughs> what do you think, then, about, like... If, if eating the In-N-Out hamburger and remembering, you know, the first time that you had the In-N-Out hamburger is a pleasant experience, but watching a remake of, you know, so of an Artemis Fowl story in movie form rather than book form is not as much of a pleasant experience, how do you feel about the way that sort of, like, Disney and other companies are using streaming platforms to give access to old movies from childhood? Do you think that that's, you know, like a worthwhile way of, you know, using our creativity to consume the same media over and over again? Or do you think it would be better for us to, you know, sort of have to go out of our comfort zone, go to the movies and see something new every time? Well, to start it off, I think it's a little bit of half and half. You know, I feel like with people who create things, you always look back to the past sometimes to gather inspiration and find out what you want to do. And so all stories are and like inspired by something else in a way. So in reality, to answer your question, nothing is truly original. You are simply watching the same thing over and over again with different puzzle pieces. However, um, I think it's a little bit different. Sometimes it, again, it's basically on how you feel. If you're feeling adventurous and you wanna go see something new, you go to the movies and you go figure out what you wanna see. However, if it's like a Sunday evening and you're eating cereal on the bed and you're like, yeah, I just wanna watch a TV show. Having that feeling stay and remain is what is your priority, basically. You want to feel something that you've known before. You don't want to go out and travel again. And I feel like people have a balance, in a way, of 
wanting to keep the same thing and at the same time wanting to see something new. Yes. Yes. That's exactly everything I was going to say. I'm just, I'm thinking, for me, like, streaming services are kind of, like, they're controlling the hamper, like, access to the hamper. (laughs) For me, like, all these, like, kind of, like, lackluster live-action remakes are, like, Disney trying to give me, like, a, like, dining hall hamburger. Like, it's just kind of, like, bland and doesn't really invoke any emotions but with streaming services they're also blocking access to in and out and so sometimes i want i go to these streaming services just to get access to that in and out because like things like dvds and vcrs and like youtube like disney will copyright strike it to hell and but that also mean i feel like in other places when i don't want in and out when i want something new disney and like their forced like cafeteria burgers also takes up space where there could have been new burgers in a sense basically <laughs> streaming services are a force for good and forceful evil at yeah. the same time it could be both the blesser of in and out or the curse of the cafeteria hamburger that is very true and only i think like time will tell sort of thing like we don't really know right now we're still in the beginning of the phases like disney plus is what three months old Something well, like that? And I think it's actually going to come out to, like, the UK, like, oh. this week. Yeah, just recently. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. in terms of entertainment, streaming services are relatively new. Yeah. And so being able to figure out how that's going to play with our entertainment and how we receive it has already, like, definitely changed sort of thing. Like, mm-hmm. things are instantly given to us. Um, but, yeah. yeah. Does anyone have any favorite or least favorite nostalgic medias that they like to watch? Or <laughs> don't like to watch, I guess? Mm. I watch the same show <laughs> all the time, but, that, but that's about it. <laughs> Good Eats 24-7. <laughs> Good Eats <laughs> Lockdown. Good yes. Eats. All right. Is there anything else you guys would like to say? Transformers? Alrighty. Do you want to talk about Transformers? I just, like, I'm not nostalgic for the Mike. I'm only nostalgic for the first Michael Bay movie, but anything after that is just like, mm, but then Bumblebee. So it's like a weird... <laughs> nostalgic like reverse roller coaster it just goes eh down and then kind of back up again mm, yeah. that's interesting <laughs> so some of how how, how would you Do say you that the me? ones that you like were done better than the ones that you don't like i feel because i feel like using the nostalgia because i feel like the first one kind of sucked because like i'm a recent like transformers fan so don't call me a normie but i feel like the first one kind of just stuck more to like yeah, giant robots, humans, the giant robots are fighting each other, there's Energon, and it's, like, pretty simple, but then afterwards they started throwing in this, these weird stuff, like, robots, and, like, Megatron's dead, psych, no, he's not, actually he is, robots on the moon, question mark, whereas, like, I feel like Bumblebee kind of saved the franchise by kind of going back to form a sense of just, like, just a robot, cute robot, hanging out, having adventures with this girl. It's 80s themed, everything's cool. Evil robots that like actually have personalities and don't die every single movie. It's great. So do you think they were almost trying to get too creative? In a sense, yeah, or like throwing in concepts but not really developing them. 
because like we go from dinosaurs to I think the last Michael Bay movie through in like the Knights of the Round Table or something like <laughs> that. Did. Like, just like, can we, can you like develop what you already have a little bit more instead of just like tossing things in, in a sense? Read the Transformers IDW comics. <laughs> That's all Read I'm going to comics. <laughs> okay, is there anything else? Well, thank you guys for coming today. I really appreciate it. Um, if you are listening to this on iTunes, we have a blog called The Back Matter Blog. We post every Tuesday and Thursday. Um, you can get all kinds of different media content there. And thank you for listening with us today, and I hope you have a great rest of your day. Bye-bye.